Good evening, everyone. Welcome to our uh, series on Basics for Bible Believers, Part 6. Uh, tonight we'll be covering the subject of eternal security. Last time we uh, finished up on love for the brethren, love for the brethren. So tonight we'll go ahead and start with eternal security. But before we do that, uh, we'll go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Amen. All right, if you've got your Bibles tonight, we're going to be in a, starting out, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verse 8 and 9. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. So, tonight we'll cover the subject of eternal security. Now, this particular doctrine has fallen under many different headings. Uh, some people call it, uh, uh, they'll put the initials OSAS, which stands for Once Saved, Always Saved. Uh, they also call it perseverance of the saints and eternal security. I've heard it called those, all of those terms. But perhaps a more uh, accurate title and certainly a more scriptural title would be preservation, not uh, perseverance, but preservation of the saints. You say, why? Well, it is God who saves us. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 8. Ephesians chapter 2. And verse 8, the Bible says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we see there that it's by grace that you're saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, take your Bible and look at uh, you say, who saves us? It's not your own work. It's by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at Romans chapter 6. If you'll take your Bible and turn to the left. Romans chapter 6. And verse number 23. Romans chapter 6. And verse 23. I'll give you a moment to get there. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So not only was Jesus Christ uh, a gift from God, but salvation uh, is a gift of God. The Bible says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So it wasn't something we could earn. It was from, it was a gift. Uh, a gift is not something you work for. Amen? You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, uh, if someone gives you a gift uh, and expects something in return for it, that's a wage or a bribe. Um, but that's not what God did. When he saved you, he gave you a gift. A gift has no strings attached. Amen? Now, take your Bible, turn right to the middle of your Bible, the book of Psalms. Hold your Bible up. If you open it and right in the middle, you'll be in Psalms, the book of Psalms, chapter number 37, Psalm 37. The Bible says in Psalm 37, and look at verse number 39, Psalm 37 and verse 39. Psalm 37, you say, what are you talking about, preacher? Well... Uh, it's, the, it's God who saves us. Amen. It's the Lord who saves us. Psalm 37, verse 39. But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. 
Amen? He is their strength in time of trouble. Our salvation is a gift from God, and it's from the Lord. It's not something... Um, some people say, well, I'm just holding on to Jesus. No, you're not. Jesus is holding on to you. Amen? Amen. And because He does the saving, He will also preserve our souls. Look at 2 Timothy. Leave the book of Psalms. Turn back to your New Testament, to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter number 1. 2 Timothy, chapter 1. I love this verse. I love all of them, but I especially love this one. Amen? The Bible says there in the Old Testament, it says, At what times I am afraid, I will trust in thee. And uh, you say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, the devil's job, uh, will, he will often try to come around and get you to doubt your salvation. He'll get you to uh, be discouraged, be down. And, and uh, you say, why? Well, he's an accuser of the brethren. He's always accusing. He's always uh, causing trouble. He's a troublemaker. And uh, he'll come around and wear you out about these things when you get saved, especially when you first get saved. When you first get saved, I always try to go over this, this subject. It's very important of eternal security. Um, because you say, what separates us? Well, we're Bible believers. This is a basics for Bible believers. If you believe the Bible, you will believe in eternal security because that's what the Bible teaches. And, and we'll, we'll see that here. But the devil, he will come around and try. He, he can't have your soul, so he'll try to make you miserable. He will try to make you miserable. And, and one surefire way to do that as a Christian uh, is to get you to doubt your salvation, to get you not to know your Bible. You see, uh, and when he wears you out, you have verses like this you can go to and cling to. And that's what's important. You mark these down, underline them, uh, put an asterisk next to it in the Word of God. One, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 12. The Bible says, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. He's not ashamed. He's not scared. He said, The Lord hath not given us a spirit of fear. But look what he says. For I know. Amen. Do you know tonight? It says, For I know whom I have believed. I know whom I believed. You say, Who? I didn't believe the Pope. I didn't believe the prime minister. I didn't believe the president. I didn't believe, um, you know, the preacher. You say, who'd you believe? I believe Jesus Christ. And I know whom I have believed. Amen? Oh, man will lie to you. And, and friends will lie to you. Family will even lie to you. God forbid. But you know who will never lie to you? Who will never let you down? Who's never broken a promise? The Bible even says uh, over there, God who cannot lie. He cannot. It's impossible for God to lie. And the Bible says here, it says, For I know whom I have believed. You say, why is it important? Jesus said um, over in the book of John, He said that uh, my sheep hear my voice, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my Father's hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand in John 10. Amen? And I know my God's not a liar. And the Bible says here, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. You say, what did I commit? What did you commit? When you got saved, you committed your soul to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You committed your soul to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And uh, so the Bible, the Bible teaches us that uh, we should believe in the preservation of the saints. Um, we're preserved. Uh, we're preserved. Uh, here the Bible says, For I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him this day. Uh, down south and, of course, in, in Australia as well, we, we have those fruits and we prepare them just in a certain way. You might mash them up, blend them up, and you put them in a jar and then you seal them. You seal them. And you say, what does that do? That preserves them. That preserves them. Isn't that funny how the Bible uses that terminology? Um, look over here at uh, Ephesians chapter number 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And verse number 13, you say, what's important? What do you, what do you liken us unto preserves, preacher? Well, that's the only thing I can think of as a southern boy to uh, point out the illustration. That preserve goes in there, and you, you put them, you, you put those, it's called canning where I'm from, and you put those cans in there, and you boil them, the water around them, and next thing you know, when they start to cool, you hear them, and they'll, they'll pop. And that seal is, is formed. And you say, what happens? Uh, it's not preserved until that seal is formed. That seal is uh, formed, and the heat brings it on, and then it's sealed. Look what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 13. In whom ye also trusted. You see Isn't it what Timothy said, or what Paul said to Timothy? You see, what did he say? I know whom I have believed. I believed. You say, what do you believe? He believed that Jesus Christ was able to keep his soul into the day of redemption. He said, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth. Somebody preached the gospel to you. Someone gave you a gospel track and you heard the word of truth. And the Bible says the gospel, the good news of your salvation. In whom also after that ye believed... The moment you believed, the moment you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, ye were sealed. Ah, happened, amen? With that Holy Spirit of promise, you were sealed. And the Bible says that you're going to be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, and so he will present, the Bible says there that um, he sealed us with that Holy Spirit of promise. Thanks be to God. Now, turn over in your Bible. Not only does Jesus preserve us, uh, look at Jude chapter 1 and verse 24. Right before the book of Revelation, last book of your Bible, if you go to uh, your left, it'll be the book you run into. only has one chapter. Jude. Jude chapter 1 and verse number 24. So the Bible says here in Jude chapter 1 and verse 24, Now unto him that is able, who is? That's God. How do you know? Look at the next verse, verse 25. To the only wise God, our Savior. So verse 24, Now unto him that is able to keep you from what? Falling. Amen. You know the terminology the world uses and all these religions use? They say, oh, he fell into sin. He fell out of Christ. He, he fell from grace. No, the Bible says he's able to keep you from falling when it comes to your soul. 
Now, you might mess up and you might sin and those things, but that's not falling uh, from grace. Amen. The Bible says here, Now to him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless. You say, who's able to do that? The Lord. Amen. He's able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. You know what's going to be a joyful time when you gather around the throne of God, when you stand in God's presence, and the only reason that you're there is because of what Jesus Christ did for you. Amen? When you stand there, and the Bible says He's able to present you faultless. There won't be any, any fault in you. There won't be anything that anybody can point to and say, um, that, that won't allow him to get in, this won't allow him to get in, this won't allow her to get in, She's, she was a gossip, he was a thief, he did this, he did that. No. The Bible says when you get presented before God one day, you're going to be faultless. Amen? Amen. You're going to be faultless. And so the Lord's able to keep and present you and keep you from falling and present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. So, in, uh, in other words, we do not only trust God to save us, but we also trust Him to keep us saved. Amen? And to present us faultless. Believing you can lose your salvation, like some people do, is, you say, what is it? It's teaching salvation by good works. It's, t it's teaching salvation by good works, and we don't agree with that. You say, why? If your salvation, if you believe your salvation depends on your ability to maintain a certain level of lifestyle, you are simply saying that your salvation depends on you and not on God. And that is a big problem. Now we read it over there uh, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. It says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. Salvation is not yours to keep. Amen? I am completely, totally, and fully relying on the Lord Jesus Christ to keep me from falling. I'm relying on Him to, and I believed Him when He said He would keep me unto the day of redemption in, one, in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. Amen? And I believe Him when it comes to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 13. The Bible says there, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Hallelujah! Amen? You're able to trust and depend on the Lord. My hand, uh, they had a funny principle, not a funny principle, but one that, that you notice in the Old Testament. And you say, what was that? Well, God told them to, that when they built an altar to Him, they said, the Lord said, if you, put your, if you put man's tool to that altar, you've polluted it. You've corrupted it. You've polluted it. You know, you can't add to what Jesus Christ did. Some people think, and they're, they're arrogant and prideful enough to think that they can add to what Jesus Christ did. You can't add to it. You can't add to it. Can you imagine that you gave your son, and he was sinless and perfect, and you gave your son uh, to save someone else, and, and then that, that, that uh, transaction took place, and, and your son was given in exchange for them, 
And then they tried to add their filthy works on top of the pure. You say, what is that? That's like spitting in God's face. And it'd be an offense to you because they're coming to you saying, oh, his, his work wasn't enough. Here's my filthy rags on top of his finished work. Didn't the Bible say when Jesus was there on the cross, what did he cry out? He said, it is finished. Finished. So if you try... Can you imagine a, a painter, an artist that paints a masterpiece? A, just uh, almost incredible. You're just taken by it when you look at it. And it's just a beautiful artistic masterpiece. And then somebody comes by and they put their brush stroke to it, put their uh, touch on it. You say, what, is, what happens? The painting is ruined. It becomes ruined. You say, why? Because you've added to what the artist, you've added to what the author did. The Bible says Jesus Christ was the author and finisher of our faith. He doesn't need your help and he doesn't need mine. Amen. He, he authored it and he finished it. Hallelujah. Amen. So we don't believe in, in maintaining a certain lifestyle to, to, uh, to say that this is salvation and to keep our salvation. We don't work uh, to stay saved. We work and do things for God because we are saved. Amen. There's a big difference. Amen. Now, uh, take um, Galatians chapter number 5. Take over and turn over to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 4. Let's read a little bit of context. Let's start in verse 1. Galatians 5, 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ is become of no effect unto you. Say why? Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. So some people take this verse in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 4 and they teach the false doctrine that people can fall from grace. Remember, we just read over in Jude chapter 1 and verse 24, unto him that is able to keep thee from falling. Amen? The Lord's able to keep you from falling. So what is this verse talking about? Well, let's, let's, if you see it in its context, you see that Galatians 5.4 is talking about and talking to people who are trying to be justified by the law. They're trying to be justified by the law when Jesus Christ... His death, burial, resurrection has already taken place. And instead of, try, uh, instead of trusting Jesus Christ, they want to run back to uh, the works of the law and justify themselves and be just before God um, in, in, uh, in that. Now, the Bible is against that. Amen? Um, look, look cross-reference that verse over to Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 11. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 11. Now Paul used the, he used the uh, illustration of circumcision. 
And that's important to note because we'll go to Acts 15 and verse 1 in just a moment and you can see that. But Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 11. The Bible says, but that no man is what? Justified by the what? By the law in the sight of God. It is evident the ju- for the just shall live by faith. Say what? Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith. Amen? So it's not by circumcision. It's not by good works. Paul used circumcision. The apostle Paul used circumcision. You could use any illustration you want. Helping little old ladies cross the street. Giving money to the poor. uh, Joining a social club and and doing good works in that way. And thinking this is going to get me um, uh, closer to God. This is going to get me to heaven. No, it will not. Look over at Acts chapter number 15. Acts chapter number 15. Acts chapter number 15 and verse 1. Now, in Acts chapter number 14, uh, we know what the Lord has done there with the Apostle Paul and, and with all of those and how the Lord opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. You can see that in Acts chapter 14. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read it, verse 27. And when they were come, they gathered the church together. They rehearsed all that God had done with them and how that He opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. Now, when the Lord had done that, in Acts chapter 15, they're debating, debating within the church if salvation can be obtained by works and by doing good works and especially the works of the law. And look at Acts chapter 15 and verse 1. The Bible says, And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. Now, Is that false doctrine or is that true? The Bible says there, these men said, except ye be circumcised. Now that that phraseology ought to to stand out to you if 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 you've been reading the Bible. You say, why? Look at John, uh, hold your place in Acts 15. We'll be right back there. But look at John 3. Look at John 3. Look what Jesus said. In John chapter 3 and verse number, John chapter 3 and verse 3. Um, they came down and said, except ye be circumcised. Now, J- Jesus said in John chapter 3 and verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be, what? Circumcised after the manner of Moses? No, Jesus didn't mention that at all. He said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Amen? Now, what about that? What about that comparison? Those men came down there and said, except you be circumcised, except you do works, you can't be saved. No. Jesus rebuked that in John 3, verse 3, when he said, except ye, except Um, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, back to Acts chapter 15 and verse 1. Acts chapter 15 and verse 1. 
The Bible says, And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. They're having this discussion within the church. Now verse 2, When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension, they're arguing, they're opposing this, and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about the question. Verse 3, And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenix and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. Verse 4, And when they were come to Jerusalem, they, received, they were received of the church, and of the apostles and elders. That's all of the whole crew together right there. Amen? And they declared all things that God had done with them. Verse 5, But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees, which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them. You see? It was needful. And to command them to keep, keep, obey, keep that law of Moses. Now there's your Pharisees. You say, what? They got converted, but they're still hanging on to that law. And Moses, and, and the law of Moses, verse 6, And the apostles and elders came together for to consider this matter. And when there had been much disputing, not only was Paul and Barnabas, but here came Peter. Here came Peter in uh, verse 7. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, ye know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles might, by my mouth, should hear the word of the gospel and believe. What's the gospel? The death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ finished work. Amen? That's what Peter preached. And verse 8, And God which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness. Didn't God, didn't Lord Jesus Christ tell them, Go and be witnesses unto me? And they did. And, he, and the Holy Ghost, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. Aha! Doesn't that match Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13? After you trusted and you believed and you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Matches right up perfectly with verse 8. Verse 9, And put no difference between us, that's the Jews, and them purifying their hearts by faith. Like it said in Acts 14 and verse 27 that we read. Verse 10, Now therefore why tempt ye God? Doesn't the Bible say do not tempt Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And it says here, Now therefore why tempt ye God to put a yoke? Ah, now um, it starts to make sense in Galatians chapter 5 where Paul says in verse 1, you don't have to turn there, just listen while I read, Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. Jesus said in John chapter 8, uh, if, if you take the Son, what will happen? The Bible says He will make you free. Amen? And He does at salvation. And be not, verse uh, Galatians 5, 1, and be not entangled again with the yoke ah, of bondage. There you go. You see? It all fits together. Scripture with Scripture. So in Acts chapter uh, 15, and verse number 10, Now wherefore, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, 
which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. But we believe that through the grace, for by grace are you saved through faith. But we believe, as Peter's standing up and he's speaking on behalf of the entire church in Acts 15, and he says, But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Just like Paul said, just like Barnabas said, throwing out circumcision, throwing out Moses and the works of the law, because in his sight, Galatians 3 shall no flesh be justified in his sight by the works of the law. When Jesus Christ showed up, that was, the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, uh, early there, verse 1, 2, and 3, it says that's, that, that that's the end of the law of righteousness. It's the end uh, to everyone that believeth. Jesus Christ is the end of the law. Uh, amen? And so that ended when Jesus Christ came and the gospel uh, was put together there, the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. So back to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Isn't it amazing how the Bible can clear up and clear out the cults and the isms and, and all the false beliefs? Uh, you know, now, now listen, some of you have gotten saved. Remember what we read in Acts 15? There, there were some people there. The Bible says in Acts 15 and verse 5, um, that there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them, to command them to keep the law of Moses. I was told this, uh, Dr. Ruckman told us this as well in class, and he said, you'll find that it's a lot harder uh, for you to help people to unlearn things than to teach them new things. And so those Pharisees were there, and they were the sect of the Pharisees, and all they, know, all they knew was the law, the law, the law, work, 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 work. And when they got saved, they said, this is the way it's still got to be. And they had to unlearn some things. They had to swallow down some things. Some of you come from churches, uh, and back there in that church, you, you, I've met some people that truly got saved, but they still hold those places in high regard, and, and, and they almost tremble when they talk about the places they come from. And they were there their entire life, but they never heard the true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and they never got saved until somebody else come along and won them to Christ. Listen, you don't have to badmouth and run them down, but you need to be honest with yourself that the way that they taught you was wrong. The way that those Pharisees that was teaching in Acts 15 that you needed to be circumcised by the law of Moses, that was wrong. That was trying to put a yoke on your neck. That was trying to to defile your liberty. And they're still doing it to this day. And so don't, don't uh, look back there with awe and say, oh, uh, I had such a good time back there and it was such a holy place. Listen, a place that won't tell you where you're going when you die and how to escape the fire of hell is not a holy place. It's a place of deception. It's a place of disaster that leads thousands, thousands, if not millions of souls straight to hell. Don't romanticize it and say, oh, that was so great back then. No, it wasn't. That's like the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt and they said, oh, that we were by the water down there with the leeks and the onions and, and the garlic was and the, the, the pots were full of flesh and we could eat and we could drink and we could do all those things. We had it made. They forgot the 12 and 16 hour days working and laboring. They were slaves back there. But they were free even if in the wilderness they were free. 
Amen? They were free. They forgot their freedom. So don't get discouraged. Don't look back over your shoulder uh, and, and think, oh, what a wonderful place. No, that was a place of darkness. The place of darkness. And so the Bible says there, the Apostle Paul was running into it at Galatians, and he was wearing it out about salvation by grace through faith, not of the works of the law in Galatians 3, 4. Look at Galatians 5, 1 again. Stand fast. He's admonishing you. He's telling you, stand fast. When the devil comes around and tries to talk you out of your salvation, stand fast. Don't. That's a military term. Uh, when the enemy attacks, stand your ground. Don't lose or give up one inch of the ground that God's given to you. Stand fast. Therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made, there it is again, not set, made us free. Amen? And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Don't be bringing religion. Don't be bringing these quote-unquote good works and trying to attach them to your salvation and saying that this is what's keeping me saved. And if I stop doing this, then that means I've lost my salvation. What a disgraceful, uh, disgusting thing to blame God for that He's not able to hold and keep His promise. Amen? I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't accuse God of that. That's a shame to do that. And so the Bible says here in verse number 2, Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, if you're trusting your circumcision, Christ shall profit you nothing. Abandon, abandon your circumcision. Abandon your good works and cling to Christ. The Bible says, verse 3, For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. You've got to keep on and on and on. It's never finished with you. It's never complete. But Jesus said it's finished. Verse 4, Christ is become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law. Ye are fallen from grace. You say, what does that mean? That's not talking about somebody that's saved and they've fallen out of Christ. They've fallen from grace. No, that means that they brought their circumcision, their good works, their idea of what salvation is, and they brought it right up to... Right up to Christ, but they can't attain and get to Christ because they're trusting all of those things. Listen, when you get saved, you have to abandon the idea that your works are good enough, that your religion is good enough, that your idols are okay. No, when you get saved, all of those things have to go. All of those things have to go. Uh, look, uh, hold your place in Galatians. Look at 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1 and verse number 9. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 9. For they, this is talking about the believers in Thessalonica, for they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned... To God from idols. You come out of religion, whether it's Buddhism, Hinduism, Catholicism, Orthodoxy. Say, what's those places filled with? It's filled with idols. Listen, if you come out of the world, 
Um, and don't think you're escaped if you're just a plain old heathen in the world. No, and you had no religion. You say, what was your idol? Money, cars, possessions, women, drugs, alcohol. Turn from those things when you get saved. The Bible says how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Amen? You turn from those things and then you trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, verse number 4, uh, back in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 4. Galatians 5, 4. Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. So they're hanging on to the law and their circumcision, and then they're trying to force that into Christianity and by grace through faith, and it will not work. Those people were never saved to begin with, the ones he's talking about in Galatians 5, 4. So don't let somebody pull that verse on you and try to talk and try to say that that's what it is. It, see, because if you see in verse 4, uh, when it says, Whosoever you are, present tense, justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. So they're, they're coming and trying to get grace through faith uh, and trying to get salvation, and they're hanging on to that law. And you can't do that. They can't attain to that, that salvation that way. Amen. So Galatians 5.4 is talking, about, talking to people who are trying to be justified by the law, and therefore they are not saved to begin with. When you try to get saved by the law and by good works, you are... Taking yourself out of the realm of salvation by grace. Amen? Many, many people who believe you can lose your salvation uh, also go to passages in the Bible, go to Scripture, which do appear to contradict our doctrine. Now, and it, it will appear that way. There's a lot of verses in the Bible that appear uh, that looks like, whoa, that looks like we can lose our salvation. That looks like that. Boy, we need to, to hang on and endure to the end and do this and do that. No. You say, why is that? This is something I wish. <laughs> I wish that I would have understood early on, and I didn't. It took me some time, several years after I got saved. Um, and you say, what was that? How this verse, look at 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. And I know you've heard it before, a lot of you, but this is for the new converts. This is for the new believers. And some people, and you need to get this down. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 15. There is, there is verses in the Bible that teach and show uh, and will confuse the new convert because they'll look, it looks as though they can lose their salvation and appears that way. But looks can be deceiving. You say, why? If you read in the wrong, uh, if you read in a certain part of a book and you come to a conclusion without going into its context, if I put, picked up a medical book uh, on page, and it's got 300 pages in it, and I picked it up at page 175, more than halfway through the book, and I tried to apply a principle that I found on page 175 to a patient in a, in a, in a hospital, in a doctor's a surgery, wherever, and I tried to apply this principle without following the procedures that, to get to there that determine uh, the blood test, the... Um, the preventative measures, and I skipped off all over that, I skipped over all of that, and then I proceeded to try to do this uh, action and procedure that's found on page 175. I might end up killing that patient. Same thing goes with the Bible. 
When you go into the Word of God, you have to understand its context. It's vitally important that you understand the context. And you say, when is God speaking? Who is He speaking to? Amen? Um, is He speaking to Jews? Is He speaking to the Gentiles? Is He speaking uh, under the Old Testament? Is He speaking in the New Testament sense? Uh, is He talking about a tribulation passage? Is He talking about a passage that's, that's found uh, in the future, in the millennium? Or is it an eternal, uh, one that's in eternity? Listen, all of those, verse, those kind of verses are found in the Bible. You need to get their context. And if you take it out of context, you say, what do you mean? Give us an example, preacher. If I go out tomorrow and I read uh, in the book of Leviticus, and over in Leviticus and, and that, and I say, boy, I'm, gonna, I'm a Bible believer. I'm going to apply Leviticus to my life doctrinally, uh, and I'm going to put myself under that time frame. You say, what are you going to do? I'm going to have to go offer my lamb, offer my sacrifice. I'm going to have to go cut the throats of animals and, and offer those shed blood of those animals. Find me a priest, right? I've got to do those things the way it says over there. See, I'm a Bible believer. No, you better, what the Bible says here in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, study, look at it, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You say, what's the word of truth? It's the word of God. It's that Bible. And you have to learn as, as God's Christian, you say, what do you have to do? As God's people, you have to learn uh, just to be, to, to use some common sense. Some, and really, not, common sense is not the right uh, word. You say, what is it? Biblical sense. You see, the Bible will tell you how to define itself. The Bible will, will, will do that. The Bible says scripture with scripture. Amen. It's comparing spiritual things with spiritual things, rather. And you say, what's spiritual? The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. That book's a spiritual book. And we compare scripture with scripture. We compare spiritual with spiritual. And God gives us the definitions of these things. And he shows us the context when we read it and we understand it and who he's talking to. Amen? So, as, as a new believer, you know what? The, one of the most important things that you need to understand, you need to understand how to rightly divide the word of truth. Because the cults that are out there and the people that are trying to talk you out of your faith in Jesus Christ and talk you out of eternal security, nine times out of ten, you say, what are they? What are they? They're people that do not rightly divide the Bible. They do not rightly divide. They wrongly divide uh, and do that. Now, later on, we'll discuss more of this uh, in, in, subsequent, uh, in subsequent lessons. We'll talk more about rightly dividing, but we won't get bogged down in that too much here. And so we'll, we will discuss those passages uh, later on. And there are passages, uh, they, they are passages which apply, there are passages which apply doctrinally to the tribulation and not to the age of grace that we live in today. Amen? There's some scripture that are that way. Now, let's look at some more scriptures here which support and clearly teach the security of the believer. Uh, look at Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter number 8 and verse number 35. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 35. 
Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? When you, if, if according to them you can fall from grace and you can be separated from Christ, then, then uh, they will try to twist the Scriptures and get you in that position. Well, the Bible says here in verse 35, Romans 8, 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? Uh, you say, what, why do you mention the love of Christ? The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, John chapter 3 and verse 16, uh, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You say, what kept Jesus Christ on the cross? Why did He go through the suffering, the pain, the anguish? Why did He go through those things? The Bible says, For with His great love, He had great love for you and I. And that's why, that's why he did what he did. Now that love has been bestowed upon us. And the, love of Christ, uh, the Bible says the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts the moment we get saved. And so that love of God is placed within your heart. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? From salvation and from that love that he's shown at salvation when we got saved. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Any of those things? No way, no how. It's not going to separate you. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded. Amen? Didn't he say over there in, uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12 about being persuaded? He said, I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Again, he says that the Apostle Paul, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing is able to separate the believer from the love that's found in Jesus Christ. Nobody. Amen? Amen. Now, continuing on, let's look at another passage. One of my favorites on eternal security, John chapter number 10. John chapter 10. The Bible says in John chapter 10 and verse number 25. John chapter 10 and verse 25. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. Verse 26. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. Verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life. Not temporary, not till you mess up. Listen, if you could have lost your salvation, you would have lost it on the first day you had it. Amen? I would have lost it in the first hour, the first two hours. Amen? You and I would have lost it. The Bible says there, And I give unto them eternal life, verse 28, And they shall never perish. Either God's a, Jesus Christ is a liar or somebody else is. You say, who's a liar? 
The Bible says the devil's a liar. John chapter 8, verse 44. Amen. My God's no liar. And he said, and, that, and, and they shall never perish. Do you believe the Bible? Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. You know what some people say? I've heard some people say, well, I don't, I don't believe you can lose your salvation. I believe you can give it back to God. You can give it away. By your actions, by the way you do it, you can give it back. Some of you have heard that as well. That's nonsense. You say, why? That's you as a man doing something. Look what the Bible says. Are you a man? Listen, if you're a lady, it applies to you the same way. A man being generic. If you're, you're mankind, a man or a woman, doesn't matter. The Bible says here, verse 28, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Any man. That's you, that's me, that's anybody. No man is able to pluck them out of my hand. Verse 29, My Father which gave them me is greater than all. Amen. We'll say amen right there. And no man, again he says it, not even you, not even you can give it away because it's not yours to, to have and to give. You're not in possession of it. God is. Amen. He's in possession of your soul. And it says... Verse 29, My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Hallelujah! Amen? Praise the Lord for that. And so we, we thank God for it. Now, take your Bible and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, before you turn there, I wanted to point out uh, something as well. Uh, back to John chapter 10 and verse 27. I wanted to point out a, a verse there. Now, I, I won't do the cross-reference, but you, you can look it up later. But the, the Bible says there, uh, In that day many shall say to me, and this is the Lord talking at the judgment, and He says, Many shall say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not do many wonderful works and cast out devils and did all these things? And, and the Lord shall say, Depart from me, I never knew you. And he says that to those that were lost. And he said, I never knew you. You say, why is that important? The Bible says in verse 27, My sheep hear my voice and I know them. So once Jesus Christ knows you at salvation, listen, before, in, a, in a spiritual sense, in a doctrinal sense, He doesn't know you um, uh, in, a, in a, the, the sense of salvation and you being His sheep when you're lost. But the moment you get saved, you become one of His sheep, and He knows you. So if you come up before Him in judgment, and He says, Depart from me, I never knew you, He's a liar. Now we already talked about that before. It says, God which cannot lie. Amen? You see how they contradict themselves? You say, why do they do that? Because they're doing it with man's wisdom. Man's wisdom is not God's wisdom. And they're, they're trying to justify those things and put it in man's wisdom. But the Bible says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them. I know them. Alright, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Ephesians chapter 4. Talking about eternal security. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. The Bible says... And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, 
Now here's the important part. Whereby ye are, what? Sealed unto the day of redemption. You thought that Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13 was the only one that used that terminology. Not so. The Bible says when you got saved, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Amen. You're sealed unto the day of redemption. God saved you and he, Jesus Christ saved you and he sealed you with the Holy Spirit of promise to the day of redemption. Now take your Bible, go over to John chapter 6. Just looking at some random verses here that show uh, eternal security. John chapter 6 and verse 37. John chapter 6. John chapter 6 and verse 37. John chapter 6 and verse 37. The Bible says in John chapter 6 and verse 37, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. You come to God, you come to the Lord Jesus Christ, and you get saved, He's not going to cast you out. The Bible says, in fact, that you are adopted you are adopted, and God's not going to disinherit you uh, after salvation. Amen? Look at 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Turn over to your right, the book of 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13. Got a few more minutes here. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13. One John chapter five and verse thirteen. The Bible says in one John five thirteen, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know. Amen. Ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of of the Son of God. When you believe on the name of the Son of God, the Bible says you can know that you have eternal life. Amen? Now look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11. One Corinthians chapter three and verse eleven, the Bible says, talking. This is the judgment seat of Christ. It says, "For other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ." That's first in salvation. Verse twelve. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Verse thirteen. Every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And if any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. Verse 15. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. 
maybe all the works that you do after salvation are no good. They're all burnt up. And the Bible says there, If any man's work shall be burned, verse 15, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be what? Saved. How about that? Yet so as by fire. That's sort of a way to say just by the skin of your teeth. Uh, don't uh, uh, you get, get everything burnt up and you go to heaven, you got nothing to show for your work for Jesus Christ. Now that work takes place after salvation, not for salvation. Amen. And so we notice in 1 Corinthians 3, uh, verse 11 to 15 there, that the person being judged is still saved, even though some of the works were no good and were burned up. And this is a good example of a saved person being saved in spite of bad works. Amen? Now, you're in 1 Corinthians 3. Look at 1 Corinthians 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1. Now, this is talking about a fellow that was committing fornication. And you say, man, if you could ever lose your salvation, that'd be something to lose your salvation on, right? Uh, that's up there with adultery, fornication, murder, witchcraft, idolatry, those type of things, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. And ye are puffed up, and have not rather mourned that she, he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I verily as absent in body, but present in spirit, have judged already, as though I were present concerning him that hath done, so done this deed. Verse 4, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together in church, and my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such an one unto what? Satan. For the destruction of his soul. No, you, you read it wrong, preacher, didn't you? I read it wrong, didn't I? For what? To deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Your flesh is not your soul. That the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Amen? And so, and we'll, we'll just sort of make this note at this point that Christians will one day be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. However, this judgment is not to determine if we are saved or not, but rather to determine our eternal rewards based on what we did for Christ after we got saved. Amen? And so, we take notice to, to this, and this is the disclaimer at the end. Because uh, some people say, oh, you Baptists and you, you Bible believers, you do this. It says, and they'll accuse you of, of preaching a license to sin. And you can go sin, you, you believe you can do whatever you want and get away with it. No, sir, we don't believe that at all. The security of the believer does not mean that you and I as a child of God can live like a child of the devil and get away with it. A true child of God will be punished for his sin. You may simply have... Uh, your heart convicted by the Holy Spirit, or if you've refused to get right with God, you may be judged with sickness, suffering, sorrow, along with losing your joy. You can lose your assurance and possibly even your life. Amen? And uh, we'll look at a few verses here, then I'll finish up. Bear with me just a moment. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12. We'll turn quickly to these places. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 6. 
Hebrews chapter 12. Hold your place in 1 Corinthians. We'll go back there in two places in 1 Corinthians. But Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 6, the Bible says this about chastisement. Hebrews 12, 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? So the Lord will chasten you when you sin. Uh, and, and he'll get on to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Back to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Verse 29. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 29. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 29, talking about the things that, some of the things you can lose. You can lose fellowship when you get saved and you, you sin and you don't get right. You can lose fellowship with the Lord. You can, loot, you can, you can um, be judged with uh, sickness and suffering and sorrow uh, and lose your joy and your assurance and possibly your life. And here's the case here where someone lost their life for not getting right. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Verse 30, For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. That's death. Now verse 31 gives you the remedy. You say, what's the remedy? For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened. There it is again. One uh, in, where we looked at in Hebrews, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. The world's condemned. Uh, the Bible says in John chapter 3 and verse number 17, it says that the world is condemned already. They're condemned already. But we're not condemned with the world. The Lord chastens us because whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Uh, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16. So that just means that you get the thing, you mess up, <clears throat> get it under the blood, pray and confess it, ask God for forgiveness, and judge that sin in your life, and get it right. And as you get it right, the Lord won't have to punish you for it. If my children rectify their own mistakes and their wrongdoings, then I don't have to step in And if they judge themselves and they, they take care of themselves. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 and verse number 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God. When you get saved, you become the temple of God. And that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. And so if you defile the temple of God, you say, what does that mean? I, I think that is gross, wicked sin. That's where people describe... Um, leaving the faith, going away uh, from church, going away from Christianity, turning their back on God, cursing, fornicating, living like the devil, and just going headlong back into sin. The Bible says if you de destroy God's temple, Him shall God destroy. Uh, God will destroy. Uh, and that's what happens there. God shall If any man defile the temple of God, Him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Amen. And that's also found in, in uh, Romans chapter number 8 and verse 13. It says, if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. And uh, the last place we'll look at today is Revelation chapter 3 and verse 19. I'll have a few questions for you. I know we're going a little bit over time, but that's all right. We, start, we started late, so I've got to make up for it by running a little bit over. 
Revelation chapter 3 and verse 19. Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 19. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 19, As many as I love, you think the Lord loves you? Your love for Him might wax and might wane and might go up and down and ebb and flow, but His love is constant and faithful. Amen? And in verse 19 it says, Revelation three nineteen, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. You know where you get rebuke and chastisement? A lot of the times too, it's from the pulpit from teaching, from preaching, from a faithful minister of the Word of God. Uh, I listen to Brother Peacock and, and Dr. Ruckman and, and Pastor Brian Donovan, and I listen to these men, and, and you say, what happens? I get rebuked by the Lord. They say something, and they're talking about something else, and they're not even aiming it at me necessarily. They don't even know I'm preaching. They're preaching to me. I'm in Australia listening to a tape or a, uh, an old recording, and man, the Holy Spirit goes boom and hits me right in, in the heart. And the Lord rebukes me, and He chastens me. And you say, what does that mean, preacher? That means I'm loved by the Lord. Don't, don't take it the wrong way. It means the Lord loves you. And he says, and when that happens, verse 19, Be zealous, therefore, and repent. When the Lord loves you enough to chasten you and rebuke you, repent. That's the, the proper response. Amen? All right. So, a few questions for you. I've got... Eight, uh, seven questions for you and a memory verse. First question, and after we get the questions done, we'll, we'll be dismissed, but here's some questions for you. Who, the first one is, who is responsible for saving you? Who's responsible for saving you? Is it yourself or somebody else? Who's responsible? I'll give you a second there. Who's responsible for saving you? Of course, it's God. You could say God. You could say the Lord Jesus Christ. Both of them are the right answer. Second one. Who is responsible for preserving your soul? Who is responsible for preserving your soul? Who does, who does that at salvation? Are you the one responsible for that? Somebody else? Those good works? No. Who's responsible? The Lord Jesus Christ. That's the one that's responsible for preserving your soul. Teaching, this is the third one. Teaching that you can lose your salvation implies that salvation is by blank, which is false doctrine. I'll read it again. Teaching that you can lose your salvation implies salvation is by blank, which is false doctrine. How would you fill in the blank? Teaching that you can lose your salvation implies salvation is by works. By, by works, you could even say good works, but works, which is false doctrine. Number four, when passages appear to contradict true doctrine, we must what? What do we need to do? When passages appear to contradict true doctrine, we must... Rightly divide the word of truth and put it in its proper context. We must rightly divide the word of truth. It, even shorten it down, rightly divide. 
Now, I'll ask you this. List two passages which support or teach security of the believer. Now, you got about 40 tonight, so uh, take your pick. <laughs> List two passages which support or teach security of the believer. Uh, John, how about John chapter 10? The whole, pretty much the whole chapter, amen? How about Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9? That's just a couple. You can use many more that we talked about tonight. All right, number six. Does God ever punish his children? Does God ever punish his children? Does he punish his children? Yes, he does. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. That's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6, and um, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 19 we looked at. You don't have to give the references, but just answer the question, does God ever punish his children? Yes. Number seven, why are Christians, why are Christians judged at the judgment seat of Christ? Why are they judged at the judgment seat of Christ? Are they judged on their salvation? Or are they judged on something else? Why are Christians judged at the judgment seat of Christ? They're judged. They're, you say, what is? Their works are judged. Their works are judged. To see what rewards they'll have in eternity. All right. Now I'll ask you to memorize Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. Just a short little verse there. Um, write it down on a, on a little card or placard or something there. I always found it works good if you put it on the mirror there that you get ready at. Um, you ladies spend enough time looking in the mirror, and you men, you have to shave and, and get yourself in order to go to work. If you put it right up there, you can uh, also put it there behind your, write it on a little card, and you can stick it there on the dash. And while you're driving down the road, you can look down, keep your eyes on the road, but look down on occasion and, and have, a, have a read and memorize it that way. Uh, Job said, I've esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. How about get a magnet, put it on the fridge right there where the handle is. Every time you go to the fridge, the verse will be there. And you'll be surprised. You put the, the word of God there in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, you'll have it memorized within a week, maybe even two. And it'll never leave you. You'll, you'll hide that word of God in your heart. All right, we'll stop right there and have a word of prayer.